What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. What's up, everyone? Ryan Kramer with Crossover Commerce here. Welcome to episode 106 of this beautiful show I like to call, again, Crossover Commerce. Birthing a brand and growing into an international bestseller is no small feat, but where does one start? We're going to find out today. We've titled today's episode, The Basics of Building a Brand on Amazon. But before we get started, let me go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsor, Ping Pong Payments. Of course, Crossover Commerce is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong transfers more than $150 million a day for e-commerce sellers, just like you if you're watching this, helping over 1 million customers. Now we've helped process over $90 billion in cross-border payments. If you're selling internationally in any sort of market, Ping Pong Payments can help you out. To start saving today, go ahead and sign up in that link in the show notes below. Super easy. Go ahead and sign up for free. Don't do it now, though, because you're here to listen to the insights of this awesome, amazing episode. Uh, again, building brand on Amazon, the basics. What do you need to know? Uh, but again, welcome to everyone who's watching or listening to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or Twitter. This is an interactive show. If you have a question for myself or our guests, feel free to put that in the comment section. Let us know where you're listening from. If you have a question, you have something specific in mind, just tag us and make sure that you uh, let us know what you're thinking and we can be able to get those questions answered. If you watch this later on, again, you can go to YouTube or LinkedIn and rewatch these. If we're not live, go ahead and still tag us as well because uh, our guests and myself will be more than happy to get those questions answered. But do me a favor, go ahead and follow, like, and share all of our uh, all the social media handles that we're going to be promoting today, both of my guests, her brands, uh, herself, myself, just because you don't want to miss any of the content they're putting out, both on the branded side as well as the content we're putting out here on Crossover Commerce. We're going live anywhere from three to five times per week, so you don't want to miss a single episode. But a better guest today, if it was just about me, it'd be one boring show because, as everyone knows, 106 episodes of just talking about myself, that would be pretty boring. But it's about my guests that I like to have on uh, that have been able to share their insights and their best practices, their failures, their successes in the Amazon e-commerce industry. Our guest today actually in 2008 invented Snooze Shade with zero experience in retail or manufacturing. And Snooze Shade is now the world's largest, excuse me, best-selling range of baby sun and sleep shades. Uh, her products are recommended by baby experts used by royalty and celebrities, have won over 70 awards, and most importantly, helped hundreds of thousands of parents worldwide. Of course, that's what everyone in Amazon gets into. They're solving a problem, which we're going to talk about, of course, again today. Despite initial public success where her products were being sold uh, in retails like Tesco, Boots, and Mother Care, the business was not as profitable as it could have been, so she began investing in ways to build her business as a more profitable entity. And instead of getting a nine-to-five job, she found Amazon, uh, which which is a really great story. I, I'm curious to hear all about it. But since 2016, she's helped more. She's helped more people and tripled her own uh, income, doubled her net profit, and her product are best Amazon sellers in competitive baby category in the United Kingdom as well as the United States. Um, Kara, who is our guest today, is really passionate about helping other businesses to achieve their full potential. And sometimes it's just not knowing what other options are out there or being stuck and not doing things. You've always done them. 
Welcome to Crossover Commerce Carousel of Snooshake Kara. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. And I am wearing lipstick as I promised I would because uh, I wasn't sure whether this was being filmed or not. And then I really thought, oh, I better, better put a bit of lippy on. Exactly. Everyone for listening to this, this has been a back and forth probably for the last what, <laughs> couple hours now. I've been making sure people for podcast, when I say podcast to people, and this is not your fault, when I say podcast, they don't understand. It's always... It's video, audio, or both. And in my case, yeah, it's exactly. Both. And I so. did one the other day, when it was just <laughs> audio. So I put lipstick on for no good reason whatsoever. Whereas you can't waste that. Time, yeah, I've got, you know, you've got, and, and talking of brands, I've got my um, my Tom Ford lipstick, which I got recommended by a friend of mine, and it's called Effing Fabulous. And I put it on for all of my interviews. It's my go-to lipstick color. So there's the value in building a brand. You see. I love it. And if you guys can maybe maybe tell from the accent, Kara is not from the United States or any, <laughs> anywhere else. <laughs> how could we? How could one tell? No, I, I've listened to you talk on on both Clubhouse and other uh, entities. You've been featured on BPC, other entities around yeah. the world. Um, but maybe maybe you shed some light on the background of people haven't heard you speak or heard one of your uh, messages. Do you mind sharing some background information? Maybe like what other people may not know about you. Well, there's so much, but I can't I can't tell all of it, obviously, because some of it's private. But exactly. I can share. Um, so um, my story is basically um, I did have a very successful career in marketing and public relations before I moved into the world of retail. Uh, so I actually worked on the launch of Amazon and eBay in the UK way back in 99. Um, and I launched uh, the National Lottery in the UK as well back in 94. So I'm actually much older than I look. <laughs> I've barely got a wrinkle, but you know. Um, and uh, anyway, so I got to a point in my career where, and, and my marriage where I wanted to have a child. And so I uh, actually had to go undergo IVF, which was not much fun, but I was very, very lucky and uh, got pregnant first time via IVF with my daughter, who is now a humongous, nearly 13, oh, she's four, nearly 14 in October, which is scary. Basically um, an adult. Sure, she basically she's 14 going on 40. I mean, right. anyone who's got a teen will know exactly what I'm talking about. So, um, but she's quite useful, actually, I have to say, in like teaching mummy how to do TikTok and, and useful stuff like that, because I've got no idea. But anyway, um, so um, when I was pregnant, I had a horrendous pregnancy. I was in a wheelchair for nine months and oh, I, I wasn't able to walk. And I had this condition that was brought on by the pregnancy and it took a lot longer to get over than everyone thought it would. But once I was up and around, uh, I wanted to go walking with the stroller. I'll translate into American there. So we call them prams, but um, stroller, sort of universal language. Um, and so I wanted to be out and about with my daughter uh, when she was uh, tiny. And uh, what I used to find was, was that, you know, I, she needed her sleep. And actually now that I'm in the industry of baby sleep, I know that there's a reason for that, which is that babies actually grow when they sleep. So it's actually really important for their development, their growth, etc. Um, and it's also really important that you don't sort of have a nervous breakdown yourself as a parent when your child hasn't slept all night. And one of the reasons they don't sleep at night is because of the fact that if they don't get enough sleep during the day, that the cortisol actually builds up in the baby's blood, which is basically gives you that overwired and overtired feeling that you get when you're jet lagged. And so, you know, all in all, baby sleep, super important and any parent who's ever had a child will probably tell you that sleep is one of the things that they're obsessed with so i was like most mums pretty obsessed with sleep and my daughter definitely needed her sleep i need my sleep i mean even now if anyone says to me what would i do more of if i had more time i'd sleep okay exactly um 
and maybe just sit by the pool. So I'd sleep by the pool. That would probably be my get perfect. Get the house, yeah, or yeah. get by the pool, and, exactly. and have cocktails brought to me. That, that's <laughs> cocktails. And actually, there's a bit of a theme here, which I'll t- I'll, you'll, you'll notice there's a bit of a cocktail theme going on here. Um, so anyway, so I, um, I basically wanted to uh, help my daughter sleep when we were out and about. And so what I used to do is do what most parents, a lot of parents do, is I used to put a blanket over the stroller, a muslin, that sort of thing, in order to kind of take the world away from her and allow her to sleep. Um, and what I found was that the coat used to fall off. I used to then roll over it with the stroller. It would get mud all over it. I'd have then expensive dry cleaning bill. Um, and in the summer, I used um, basically what was at the time the UK's best-selling sleep, uh, well, it was a sunshade. It wasn't a sleep shade. That was the whole point. And it was great, but baby could see out. So there was no way of getting them to switch off. And plus, it was also really big, really bulky, and it was really horrible and scratchy as well. So uh, and my daughter didn't really like it very much. And if I had the choice between putting that in the stroller or in the suitcase when I was going away, I would probably choose to put other things in there. So um, I just thought, you know, I remember one time I was sitting there and um, in the UK, we have something called the NCT, which is called the National Childbirth Trust. And that's basically where you usually get paired up with other parents who are having babies at the same time. And I was sitting with a group of friends or about five or six of us, and we all had babies of the same age. And we were all sitting there hoping to have lunch. Uh, in a restaurant and remember what those things were <laughs> we've only just had our restaurant open back exactly. up again. <laughs> uh, whoever thought we'd be saying that um and uh, so basically they're like five or six babies and they're all sitting in their strollers and the mums are like feeding them and then everyone did the same thing like put a muslin put a cardigan put a blanket you know it was basically like putting birds to sleep you know like you know put this put something over the cage try and get the child to go to sleep Exactly. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. Surely there must be a product out there that is like a blackout blind for the, the buggy. Um, but I looked everywhere and I've always been very well known in all my circles. I do have friends who call me the Oracle. Um, and this is usually because of the fact that I will find out the answer to something, even if I don't know it. And I don't always think I'm right, but I will always try and find it. And so I looked like high and low online everywhere. Couldn't find a product that actually helped. By the way, we're going to have a little bit of thunder, I think, in the background. Um, the weather That's in the okay. UK. Amazing. No problem. Not. Um, <laughs> that, that's the beauty about live shows is we always have surprise. We have Amazon deliveries or we have dogs oh, yeah, entering or children entering the screen. That's oh, the beauty yeah. about Holly's this show. Holly's at school, so you're lucky. You won't get her. She normally just wanders in, goes, hi, and then wanders back <laughs> out again. You know, what doesn't matter what I'm doing. She's just like, hi. <laughs> it's exactly. It, it's it's perfectly fine. Yeah, we're we're welcoming of all people, a guest appearances exactly. on all the ages. show. All ages. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, uh where was I? Oh, yeah. So um, anyway, I just thought, you know, couldn't find anything. Um, and then I went off and I went to a local fabric shop and I bought what I now know to be completely inappropriate fabric. Um, and I made up a first very, very shoddy uh, prototype, um, which, you know, would not have made the grade at all. Um, but I sort of started testing the concept out, talking to people about it. I mean, I registered the domain back in two- my daughter was born at the end of 2007 and I registered the domain of Snooshade in 2008. Um, and I looked at things like, and this is quite a useful tip for anyone who's looking at branding, is um, one of the things I looked at is the name. Because, for example, initially what I wanted to call it was buggy blind uh, because it was a buggy blind. Right. You know, but then I realized that, A, not all countries know what a blind is in terms of that we don't necessarily have blinds for windows. Sure. But also in those countries, blind will only be visibly like unable to see, Impaired, yeah. which is not necessarily a positive thing. So sometimes when you're thinking about brand names, and I do some very see some very unusual brand names on Amazon, which are certainly not pronounceable. Um, but if you're thinking about something where you seriously want to build a brand that someone might actually be able to pronounce, it is a good idea to actually you know think about all the sort of positive 
the possible connotations internationally because I mean I actually sell worldwide so I sell Singapore US Canada Australia UK Europe um, and then I, uh, New Zealand I've got a distributor there um, so you know it, it's a it's a business that is global um, and so you do have to kind of think globally and, and and I think you kind of should be thinking that way right from the word go really um, so I uh, then wanted to look at ways of making the product and I did look initially at could I manufacture in the UK? And the answer to that was no. Um, and so then I contacted somebody who I used to work with. I used to work for a magazine publishing company and uh, they were able to give me uh, the contact details of somebody who manufactured products in China, but they were baby products that were manufactured and I knew they were very safe. So one of my big brand kind of like uh, pillars, I have like various pillars of, of the brand is safety. Uh, because I am a mum, first and foremost. I was only ever lucky enough to get pregnant once with my one precious miracle child, miracle teenager as she is now. And so I am very, very aware of the fact how precious children are to their parents. And so what I wanted to do was go above and beyond what was required in terms of safety when I designed my products. Um, oh, Sharon, she's there. Hello, Sharon. <laughs> I did say I'd wave if she came she, on. She said she would come on. Yeah, exactly. I have to quickly say... <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot going on where Sharon is. So just know, the fact that she's wa watching right now is love and and stuff. Yeah. Um, Stay so, safe, Sharon. Um, so I started the um, process of basically developing a product that would actually work in proper fabric, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and uh, the manufacturer who I still work with today, uh, eleven years on, and that's another thing I found. You know, I, I do tend to build up really good relationships with people, and then it tends to be something that kind of you know continues beyond just a sort of initial business. Um, initially, uh, I'm actually actually one of my best friends now. But she manufactures in China for me, so she manages all the factories. I don't get involved, um, and uh, she also does a lot of work for people like you know, I mean, like uh, Disney or um, like Zoom and people like that. So all of her factories have to be like highly ethical, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, which is really important to me as well. Um, so all my products are safe enough actually for a newborn to use. They they meet the same safety criteria as a toy for a newborn. Um, and that's something that's quite unusual in the baby product industry because a lot of the products are actually safe enough for a three-year-old to use uh, because the premise is that most of the time, actually, the adult will be using it, not the child. Right. So, um, yeah, that's something that I've always been, like, very open about right from the word go is how important safety is to me. And I think, you know, when you're building a brand, uh, I think it's so important to actually really find things that you're passionate about that can actually permeate through what you're doing in business. Now, sometimes that can be things you're doing with the business that you're passionate about, like the products, but it could be that you're completely passionate about selling garlic crushers, but you're super passionate about supporting like horses who get starved in Uganda or something, right? Sure. And so, you know, that could even be part of your brand, which is that, you know, yes, you're doing this one thing, but you're doing it for that reason. Um, and, and I do think it's so important to, um, you know, to be passionate about what you're doing. I think people always say to me, you're very passionate. And I'm like, I am, because I love what I do. Um, I love that I help babies sleep and I help parents who like me, you know, were looking or look for a solution. And when I was looking for a solution, there wasn't one. Um, and um, so, you know, I think it's so important to to really think about your customer and what it is that they need from you. And it's not just about solving a problem. It's how you solve that problem as well, um, because how one person solves a problem is always going to be really, really different to how someone else does. Um, 
so anyway, so I literally uh, went into full scale production. Oh, so what did I do? Oh, no, I know. Hold on. I went to a trade show. So uh, so what I did is I had a, I had a prototype um, and I went to this trade show and it was either that or go on the equivalent. We call it Dragon's Den in the UK, uh, but it's also Shark Tank, I know, in the US and Canada. And right. Like that. I actually so, watched an episode recently of Dragon's uh, Dragon's Lair. Is it? Yeah, you Dragon's said Den. Dragon's Lair. Dragon's Den. Den. I'm sorry. I always say layer for some reason. I oh, think yeah, my son's yeah. reading Lair a book is, like Dragon's Den. Yeah. There <laughs> so is like, a very good word, but it's Dragon's Den. Um, yes. This is it is Shark Tank. And so I thought, shall I go on that and be potentially publicly humiliated? Or shall I go to a trade show where I might meet lots of people who are actually kind of at the, we say at the coal face. I don't know if you have that expression, but like, you know, right, right in there in the industry. Um, mm. And who would be able to tell me whether or not they thought this was a completely crap idea or whether this had legs. Um, and as it turned out, everyone thought it was a brilliant idea. Uh, I had an order placed by um, one of my retailers, even who I still support now. I still sell to now, Jojo Mamon Bebe, and that, I think they've launched in the US, so it might even be a name that some people in the US know. Um, and uh, and so I, they placed an order. It was only for 120 units. So obviously, uh, and I had interest from lots of other people. So obviously, when you've got a potential order for about 120 units, you know the best thing to do, I found in my my experience, was to place an order for 10,000 units. <laughs> So, just go you go right for the jugular just, just order 10,000 like, big time and there was there was there was a like it was not completely mad there was some rationale in there which is that I worked out that if I could sell to one percent of all the babies that were born in the UK there's about three quarters of a million babies born so I needed about seven and a half thousand units and then I got like a slight different I got a, a price break if I went up to 10 and I thought oh you know in for a penny in for a pound so I just went for it and and bought 10,000 units life savings gone this is not necessarily something I would suggest everyone takes as gospel and to follow my advice or my actions um, but it was certainly uh, an interesting, an interesting time. I was somewhat stressed. I remember it was just around Christmas of 2009. And I remember walking up and like making the carpet in my hallway was very like bare because I was walking up and down going, oh my God, what happens if it doesn't work? You saw the of... burn marks right back and forth like a tiger. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then my mum basically said to me, she said, look, worst case scenario is we go to car boot sales. Do you have car boot sales in the US? Uh, yeah. Or you're talking about like re or, um, we go to a big field and we all have all our cars and we get all right. our crap our houses out and yeah. then we sell it. Yeah, like so a flea market like, or something like that. Like yeah. Garage sales as well, don't you? You have like open yep. out, like yeah, mm -hmm. right. So I, like that was my worst case scenario. And I do always think that it's really sensible to have a worst case scenario because once you get your head around what is the worst that can happen in life, then everything else actually is a Brucey bonus. Uh, you won't know that phrase is a Brucey bonus. So um that it's like cherry a on top yeah exactly <laughs> so um so basically i um i also by that point i already had jojo mum and bebe on board um i then contacted john lewis who are very well known very well very well respected retailer uh, mother care which was like the uk's leading uh, baby retailer um and because also the great thing sometimes is with uh, retailers is they can be a li little bit like lemmings so like once one gets the product then they don't want to feel like they're going to miss out so um, I sort of managed to get on board quite a lot of retailers. Um, then I also signed up a distributor for the UK. In fact, I actually had two distributors. I had one for the big boys, the, the big boxy stores, mm -hmm. and then I had one for independent retailers, um, which is more like the mom and pop stores. Um, and then I uh, basically kind of uh, 
well, just basically sold. And uh, we sold on my website, we sold in Mothercare. It was like a, a number one bestseller. Um, my distributor sold to Amazon Vendor Central. Uh, and it was a bestseller pretty much from the word go. Although obviously the volume that I sell now is very different to the volume we were selling then. Um, which is another thing I always say to people, like a bestseller's badge doesn't mean you've hit gold, right? Because you can make it, you can work it harder, just sell more. You know, there is that opportunity. Just because you've hit bestseller doesn't mean you've saturated the market by any long shot. And in fact, over the last sort of 10 years, I've had multiple copycats coming on board. Um, and I've even been copied by big boys like Aldi. I don't know if you have Aldi over there, but... Yep, we do. Yeah, okay. So they copied my bestseller product in 2019. Um and, you know, so even with other products that are doing a similar thing in the market, you can if you build a proper brand, you've still got a level of protection that is outside of just the products that you sell. Um, so um, it's one of the reasons I am really passionate about, like people actually building what I call a real brand versus the XML TV brand that they've registered on, you know, wherever. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a big learning experience. And then I had a massive nervous breakdown in June 2010 in the first sort of year of trading due to a variety of reasons. I had to right. go through IVF again a couple of times. Um, I had other stuff going on. Um, and uh, so then my mum, bless her, moved in to me while I was still kind of doing the whole lugging boxes from the spare bedroom down the stairs, doing deliveries, even though I was literally a vegetable. Um, breakdown is go to an international trade show so i did in the september having having literally just kind of like got over that i decided i was going to go and grow the business more so i went to uh kinder Nugent, which is a large uh, baby products and children's products show in germany uh exhibited there and then i took on distributors for the uae australia ireland i mean i you know by the time i think by about 2012 i had about 22 distributors worldwide um and uh, including one for the us one for canada um australia yeah i mean you know pretty much everywhere that you could think of and then in 2014 um very sadly uh, my marriage uh, was clearly going to go kaput and i looked at the numbers of the business and it was either kind of get a job um or make the business make more money and this is where cocktails comes in again because um at this time i was like well how am i going to make more money so one of the obvious places was the fact that by selling to a distributor, I was making such a tiny margin and having to like buy so many right. units on the off chance that they would buy what they say they're going to buy, uh, that one way I could sort of cut costs, but also potentially grow was by reducing that. So I, I basically got rid of pretty much all my distributors um, and I uh, had to sit for, and then also Amazon Vendor Central have been stalking me for many years. Uh, to come back to them because when I was at that trade show in September, I forgot to tell this right. bit, when I was in that trade show back in 2010, um, I had a distri potential distributor come up to me and say, oh, I've seen your products, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, you know, they're $12.99. I was like, they're not, they're $19.99. You know, it was, I only had one product at that time. And I was like, it's uh, $19.99. And they said, oh no, Amazon's got it on for $12.99. I was like, right, that's it. They're dead to me. So I rang up my distributor and I was like, get it off Amazon now. I'm you know, not selling to them anymore. So I stopped selling, we stopped selling to vendor. Um, and then obviously what happened was all the resellers started on board. So they were buying from my other distributor. And so it, yep. stayed, it stayed as a bestseller, but just being sold by like 35 different businesses. Yeah, you were not profiting from this very much. I was not profiting from it. And also on top of that, it was actually really confusing as well because um, you know, they quite often create a new ASIN because they didn't realize that there's value in actually being on one ASIN and thought that you know if they created a new ASIN, then people come and find that ASIN rather than the main ASIN. And mm -hmm. you know, it was um it's interesting. So 
what actually happened was in uh, 2014, I, I went back on board with Vendor Central and they basically helped me just tidy the mess that was my brand that, that was on Amazon. Um, and then in the same time, I started seeing these Facebook ads. Now, this is where cocktails comes in because these ads, which I have to say should be done for Advertising Standards Authority in terms of being slightly untrue, told me that I could just start up an Amazon FBA business, sit on the beach all day drinking cocktails, and Amazon was just going to sit there and my laptop was just going to ping money at me constantly. And it was easy and it would take me no time and no effort and no money. I was like, wow, this is me. I want this. I learned what that phrase is called, actually. Netflix just came out with the... Um the money series or something like that. It's like a six part series It's called puffery. And it's very hard to, it's very hard to legally go at these people because of its embellishment of what's actuality, which I'm assuming you're going to lead to later, but puffery is the word that you can't find people or you can't even legally hurt people because of this embellishment that they're, they're doing. Again, the line is where's that line cross of, like you said, sit on the beach, drink cocktails all day and just print money. Where's that line? It's really hard with puffery. Anyways, continue. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, uh, to be fair, I do sit on beaches and I do drink cocktails and a lot of it is due to Amazon. So I, I can't be completely ungrateful. Um, but I certainly I also have uh, in my hair, I've got two streaks of white, which I call my cellar central streaks uh, because of the stress that uh, is induced by having to deal with them on a very regular basis when they just suddenly randomly shut an ASIN down or, you know, suddenly do something like the other day, they managed to lock me out of my own account. That was fun. Um, wow. So, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that Amazon does that isn't um, so easy. But what was very interesting was um, these ads, whilst they weren't, they were very puffery driven. Uh, what they made me realize is that people who were selling very what I call basic like everyday items were making a lot yep. of money out of Amazon. Yep. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. If you're making a lot of money out of these basic items, I've got a brand, I've got a product that I know works. I know it's different from everything else. I know it stands out from its competition. Surely it's just a matter, a matter of ramping like awareness up to make sure that, you know, I sell more on Amazon. And um, so I basically went and did some courses. I, I, you know, I attended a whole load of different things. And, you know, it's really interesting because when you have got a brand, you think of it in a very different way to an Amazon seller who's selling a product. So now what I say to people when I, I mean, I don't help that many people, but I do help a few people, but like with their brands, et cetera, and getting onto Amazon um, is what I say is you have to actually, when you're, when you're a brand, you can be a little bit, excuse the French, up your own ass because you sort of think that, you know, like everyone should know my, my brand, you know, like mm -hmm. everyone's looking for it. Well, I think it's something like 76% of like searches on Amazon are unbranded. So what I always try and say to people is that your brand, what, what people are actually looking for on Amazon is a keyword, right? That is what they're looking for. They're not looking for your product. They're looking for a product that fits within that keyword. Or solution, now, yep. The advantage of having a brand that is well known about is actually that brand is a keyword. And so therefore, when people are looking for snooze shade, and that is my highest converting keyword, obviously, is because of the fact that's what people are actually looking for. So it converts a lot faster because they're looking for it, they see it, they buy it. Because, you know, mm -hmm. whereas, you know, sometimes you can advertise on some words where you've got like masses of competition and then you're just like, you're like a little fish in a big sea. Um, whereas when you've built a brand that people are actually looking for, you're you're the big fish and the sea is a lot smaller. Um, so, so that can be very beneficial. But what I also had to do is kind of like suck it up and, and realize that, um, you know, people were actually looking for a stroller sunshade, 
not snoo shade. So I had to do like, I've rewritten some of my listings I have with much more of a keyword focus in the title and some I have more of a brand focus in the title. Um, and that's something again, that, you know, if you, if you have built up a brand is something that you kind of maybe need to think about because, you know, sometimes, I mean, Amazon encourages us to put the brand at the front, but actually, people aren't looking for brands. So I think that's really stupid that they actually put, expect you to put your brand name at the front. And I don't always do that either. So um, exactly. I, don't, I don't always follow the rules. I, have to I think say. that even Amazon updated it recently. They said something where your listings, they don't want you to put your brand name in it, or they would just rather put keywords on it um, and make it not repetitive or anything like that, but make it applicable to what you're selling. They're really trying to, like you mentioned, Kara, what is people what are people searching for and what is best going to serve people right in that right from the get-go like you said stroller or snoo shade or not snoo shade but stroller shade in that regards i'm curious uh for snoo shade how many searches per month is happening for that uh term in general do you know by well, chance i don't know i'm in brand analytics that's all i know um it's seasonal um so my okay. business is seasonal because of the sun i i'm right. afraid I'm afraid you'll probably talk to lots of sellers who are very analytical and data driven. I'm not one of them. Um, I just I'm sales driven. So if I make lots of sales, I'm happy and that's it. I don't really give a shit, frankly, about like all the data stuff. I mean, it's useful, but I have right. other people who do all the data stuff. So I have a team who do my PPC. Uh, oh, there we are. There's oh, man, that was a big one. Ooh. There you go. Um, and because uh, I'm in my outdoor office, you see, I have a garden office. So we're I was going to say, someone up there is agreeing with you. You don't give a shit about brands. They you are. Care about I'm making sales. some really good points. <laughs> exactly. It's I, agreements from I, above. Exactly. But what I've also done is um, before I took on a PPC company, um, and I've actually had a couple, um, I actually got to understand it myself. And I think that's also really important. You need to understand like what is driving customers to buy your products. What are the, the buzzwords? What are the keywords? What are the things that are converting? But also the other side is that, you know, you also have to think like a shopper. So for me, for example, um, even before I did Amazon PPC, and I had no idea about this thing, because when I first started back in 2014, I, I'd never run a PPC campaign. I got no idea what I was doing. But I was an Amazon shopper, I can assure you. And I, I, as I am regularly getting, um, you know, deliveries into my house that are from Amazon. And what I do is I don't really trust sponsored listings, okay, as a customer. Really? So, so as a, yeah, no, I don't. I don't trust them because they're being paid for. What I trust is the organic listings that are near the PPC. And so mm -hmm. what I like to see is I like to see, for example, in when I we do PPC, I do a lot of like brand um, brand based sponsored brands. We do sponsored products. I do, I'm doing dig, uh, display as well, I think at the moment. And I'm, I'm like doing a lot more of the, but I do a lot of like the sponsored brand stuff. Maybe doesn't convert as much, but what it does is it creates a massive smack you in the face. This is Snoo Shade page for the customer. So they arrive and they see a banner at the top that's talking about Snoo Shade. Then they see my sponsored listings. Then because the products sell well, they see the organic listings. Then they might see the video on the product. And then at the bottom, they're also going to have other sponsored brands and other products like that. Now, what's very easy then for a customer to do is just click on that organic listing. So I actually do believe because of the way I shop, actually a lot of customers don't click on your ads so even if your ads aren't maybe seen to be converting that's why i don't i'm not interested in costs i'm interested in take costs i'm only interested in the total amount of sales that i make and as long as that percentage of advertising spend goes well again so i work to right. under 10 percent basically so as long as my advertising my marketing budget like in a normal business because this is the right. other thing 
running an Amazon business is just a business. For me, Amazon is just a sales channel, okay? I, I also sell on Shopify, which, I mean, I don't consider that to be Shopify. It's my way, I also sell online via my own websites, right? Reachsnewshade.com. I've got snooshade.com, snooshadeusa.com, snooshade.ca, and snooshade.com.au. And I do that because I'm also planning on building, uh, well, I am building at the moment. We're doing lots of search engine optimization work on making sure that making those local websites ticking more boxes for local people in as we have in local people in local countries. Um, and so I'm I'm gradually sort of steering people around so that they actually go web again, best suits them, because there's no point in them coming to snooshade.com if they're in the States. There's no point in them going to Snooshade USA if they're in Canada because I fulfill from the US and from Canada separately. So so therefore, you know, it's all about the customer journey. But what I would also say is that, you know, don't always be looking at the ACOS. I mean, I've got some campaigns that have got ridiculous ACOS. Like, I mean, I spend pennies, but like it's like 500% ACOS, you know? Um, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's not all about the ACOS. It should be about your takeos. You know, or your I call it tacos, but you know, right. uh, I suppose you have to call it ACOS tacos, but I call it tacos because I like tacos. It's exactly but Taco Tuesday. It's one of my favorite foods. Friends over at Heliumton say the Taco Tuesdays or Tacos Tuesdays yeah. or whatever they the marketing very very clever of of course. But your your story is very interesting because it, I say it's the backwards way. It's a lot of ways that a lot of third party sellers aren't going onto Amazon. It's starting from scratch. They're trying to get away from a nine to five, or they're trying to just develop a sales channel or a brand. And they're starting from scratch on Amazon. You were, you were different. You had retail stores, you were working with distributors and manufacturers already. You just use this as a sales channel. So I'm curious. Except what I would also say is that Amazon is my biggest sales channel. Don't right. get me wrong. It is right? now. It is. So yeah, absolutely. it is. And, uh, and it has massively impacted on my sales in, in huge growth. So the thing is, you know, nowadays, like I would say, if you're starting a brand, absolutely, if you if it's relevant, you should be on Amazon because Amazon is just a massive big shop window with millions of people walking past with their wallet open, right, ready to buy. And they are literally just looking for the right product. They're not even like thinking about it. They're looking to buy. That's what they're doing. They might be doing their research. They might be looking reviews, etc. But that's why it's also really important to have a, 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 um, a business that exists off Amazon because those customers, they also quite often, and I do this, you know, I will go and check out a, a business and see what they're like, not necessarily just on Amazon, because, you know, we all know that on occasion, maybe there might be a little teeny weeny bit of review fixing that goes on. And we know that sometimes, yeah, just a little itsy itsy bit. So mm -hmm. I have to say, um, I don't necessarily trust all the reviews I see on Amazon. And so I'm always very keen. And I and if especially if I'm making a purchase that I consider important, and actually, in my category of baby products, you know, my products are not the cheapest. And so actually, people do do quite a lot of research, they do kind of a bit of due diligence, which is great. Um, and, um, you know, it's that sort of thing where, you know, you absolutely should have your own website, you should have your own bloody domain web email address, stop putting Gmail addresses on your packaging, it's rubbish, right? Because it looks so unprofessional. It's so pathetic. And it's like, I'm not I don't want to work. I don't want to. Like I buy a product and they've got a Gmail address on there. Please contact me if you've got any problems. And I'm just sitting there thinking, well, I'm never going to hear from them, am I? You know, whereas right. if you've got a domain and you've got a, even if it's a basic one, and I, I can build a Shopify website in about half an hour um, because they're not hard. They're not rocket science. Um, and, um, you know, they're, they're pretty easy to set up. 
Um, and they're brilliant. I mean, I, I, one of the things I'm actually focusing on at the moment is I'm using the Amazon money to basically build me a bigger business off Amazon. So I'm doing it kind of in reverse. And I've sort of gone like old school starting off into Amazon. And now I'm going back to old school again because, <laughs> you know, what I want to do is not have all my eggs in one basket. Um, right. And, you know, I mean, the great thing is, is, is that, for example, Amazon at the moment, I'm sure other people are having these issues as well is that it's a bloody nightmare trying to get stock into Amazon and get it on sale because they're just taking so long to receive stock. Um, and so my biggest seller in the US is constantly like looking as if it's out of stock, but actually it's not. Um, and so fortunately, people go to my website and then they're buying from there. So I do huge amounts of money on my website when I'm out of stock on Amazon because, you know, people will look if they want the product, they will find you, you know, but right. you've got to go from somewhere that looks decent um, that looks like there's somebody behind it that looks like, you know, and this is another thing about building a brand is that, you know, even if it's not your personality that you're putting into the business, some there needs to be a personality. There needs to be some kind of emotional connection that people make with your business. That means that you're not just another garlic crusher. You know, it means that, you know, you're passionate about finding, you know, products that solve problems like how do I clean that garlic crusher out because it's really annoying every time when you know I've got to hate I hate my garlic crusher and mine's from OXO or somewhere you know um and um you know so there are so many opportunities out there and I see so many Amazon sellers not doing very well complaining about it as well which is always fun to watch um and then you think yeah but you're not really thinking outside of the box and it's really important like I say to think about you know your customer your customer is who is going to be the person who, you know, hopefully will come back and buy more products if you've got uh, other products in a range. Um, and why would they want to do that? What, what are you doing that's different? And sending out an email, an automated email that says, hi there, I'm a small family business and your, you know, a review is really important to me. That's not communicating, you know, right. that's just sending out the same old rubbish that everyone else is sending out. So, you know, it, it's about finding a sort of a, a vibe for your business uh, that works. And, and I do think that those companies that take the time and effort to do that um, actually, you know, benefit in the long run. Um, and again, you know, I, I see my business, my business is not something I mean, I've had about eight different people offer to buy my company in the last like three months, because there's a massive, like FBA surge business surge. Yep. And I've turned them all down. Because right now, I'm, I'm actually having fun as well. So I'm actually enjoying what I'm doing. I'm enjoying learning. I'm, I'm loving all the Shopify stuff. I'm loving all the Amazon stuff. I'm just about to do uh, Amazon 360. It is in the UK and it's called Amazon SAS in the US where we have the pleasure of paying Amazon for the fact that they might actually help us maybe occasionally. But my, I have, I, there's, a, there's a rationale, you know, I'm, I'm not just doing that to throw money uh, around. I'm doing it because I know that I've got a few listing issues that come from being on Vendor Central in various different countries because I was even, my distributor was on Vendor in the US at one point and I, was on, I still am on Vendor in the UK. Um, and I need some little bit of extra help in sort of getting things how I want them. Um, so I'm doing that, but I think that'd be really interesting because actually I'll learn how to do a flat file upload properly rather than me just do my usual hatchet job of like sit there, press buttons and then, Copy and then paste. press it and then hope that it works, which is my usual strategy. <laughs> well, what, what's the, uh, so building a brand, do you, 
what, what's your take Kara, on people tying themselves to a brand? Do you, is that a pro or a con to you in your mind? So very much depends on, very much depends on the business journey you want to take. Uh, very much depends on the products that you're selling. I mean, if there's no cohesive reason why this group of products would be together, then is there really a value in a brand? Yeah. Might be because maybe, for example, it's all about amazing prices or, you know, amazing discoveries. So, you know, things like, um, Oh, what's it called? Is that was that Ripley thing? You know that where it's all like World of Wonders or something like that. You know, like if you if you wanted to create right. like a toy, it could be a toy shop, right? Which was mm -hmm. you know where it's the wackiest toys from all over the world, right? Then okay, they're all toys and they're all different, but actually you could build like quite a nice little brand around because the other thing is also on Amazon particularly. Amazon is a very faceless place, right? It's very personality less. Right. There are not that many personalities on Amazon. Right. It is quite bland. So anything you can do to make yourself pop out and is is going to help your sales. Now, one of those is actually having a story to tell, because going back to like the Bible is a storybook effectively. Right. So what do humans love? Humans love stories. Right. So they want to know about the people who they're buying from. And they may well, I mean, I get lots of people who say, I love the fact that this was invented by a mum. I get other people who are like, I read about you and I've heard your story and I just love the way you built the business. And other people are like, I really love buying from a small business versus a big business. You know, they, they could go and buy maybe a similar product, not so much, but you know, they could buy a product from like an Aldi if they wanted to, but they don't um, because I took them off anyway yeah. <laughs> um but um you know but there, i've got i have got other copycats as well that float around and to be honest i don't really bother about them because i'm just like you know what the 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 other thing is is to kind of i do find sometimes that and this is not just amazon sellers this is people generally and without making me sound woo woo because i am not woo woo at all um i do come from a very big place of abundance so like i i come from perspective which is there is enough to go around right in the world there are enough people who want to buy enough products that we are, do not have to be at each other's throats all the time in a horrible competitive environment. So actually, the other side of it is, as, as somebody who instigated and created a product that did not exist before, it's actually quite a lonely place to be in terms of sales when you are the only product of your kind. Because what happens is customers look at it and they go, well, that's great, but do I need it? Yeah, because... Yeah. I like, you know, as my mum always says, people, you know, note that people don't always buy more one pair of, you know, more than one pair of socks. And for example, if you're potty training your child, you know, you go on Amazon, you can see there's a massive range of potties. So you kind of go, oh, I obviously need a potty. And then what happens is then the process, the decision making process gets honed down and then you're into, OK, I need a potty. Check. Right now, which potty am I going to buy? Right. So then you go into like and it could be like, you know, quality. It could be I want one that glows in the dark. It could be one I want that's gold plated. It could be I just want the cheapest one. Right. So then you're breaking it down again. And then when they get down to that level, then they're kind of like probably are looking at the reviews, checking out. And you see one of the things that the reviews should be doing as well is reassuring and the questions and answers reassure customers that if there's a problem with their purchase, that you will actually sort it out. You know, I mean, we've got some reviews recently. I've got this one review where this woman literally wrote about 17 pages of review on based on the fact that she'd had a problem. We'd sorted it out. We've got this product to her. Then it wasn't a problem, blah, blah, blah. And she was literally like other companies should take note 
of, of like how to deal with customers. And the problem is if you become focused purely on the profit, like on the bottom line, so that a refund is a real headache and not something I see refunds as a brilliant opportunity, right? I don't actually get that many of them, but if I do, I've had faulty products. I've had one machinist in China who decided that she didn't want to sew two strips onto my straps. And so I had about 200 units where the straps, literally the product, the customer got the product out and the strap fell off. And I was like, oh my God, right? And then I've had other things where, you know, people don't like the product because they sometimes don't even know I do other products. That's the other thing. So they bought a product that's for a naught to six month old, not realizing that I do a product for a six month plus. And so actually by them getting a refund and I then send them a message, everybody who, who has a refund, I actually message them and ask them why they've given me a refund because I'm, I value their opinion and, and it's really important for me to know if there's a problem so I can do something about it to solve it if there is a problem. And I get loads of answers to those emails and it's things like, oh, you know, uh, it, I, it didn't fit my buggy. And I'm like, which buggy do you have? Oh, I have this buggy. Well, actually, you might need this product. And then off they go and buy it. You know, so actually refunds and all of that sort of stuff doesn't necessarily have to be a negative. And actually, if you're getting that many refunds, there's a problem with your product, not your, not right. anything else. Or so it's an opportunity to, yeah, to innovate and build on your brand or build your product out, right? It's mm -hmm. an opportunity for you. A lot of people see it as a negative, but maybe it is yeah, that your product is, for lack of a term, shit. Or it actually is an opportunity or a missed opportunity for, like you said, your seamstress one day just had a bad day or decided not to do it. Not a big problem, not a big problem long-term, but hey, it just happens. Um, that, that's interesting. So building a brand though, I'm curious for you, do you have to curtail your message to different marketplaces? Cause you're in a lot of them. You're in the UK, you said you're in UAE, you're in, you're in Singapore, you're in the United States. Does each brand have a different message? Just tweak it's or same, same message, just tweet. It's the same brand that. and it's the same fundamental messaging. So it's all about sleeping, babies sleeping. It's all about traveling with babies and getting out and about with travels. And it's about safety, right? So those are the three kind of key things that you I have talk your about. core pillars, right? However, depending on the country, different products sell better in different places and for different reasons. So, for example, in the US, everyone drives a lot more. So the car seat versions sell better in the US and Canada because everyone's driving longer distances, whereas in the UK, we tend to use the strollers more. So, you know, the stroller one's the best seller. So, you know, it's about um, and then sometimes also, you know, sort of um, in uh, Europe, for example, some of the countries in Europe, they really don't care about sun protection. Like they're out. The babies are out. They don't care about sleep. The kids are up until midnight. Who gives a shit about sleep? You know, so you've also got to adapt like what you're doing to the different cultures. Absolutely. But fundamentally, like, you know, what it might mean is that in a, in a country where maybe they're less interested in sleep, I would focus more on the sun protection and vice versa. So, you know, it just very much depends. But yeah, I mean, obviously every every country speaks a different language, like in the U US and Canada has different languages even, and, right. and the UK, you know, and Australia. Um, so, you know, you, it's a matter of just being kind of um, sensitive to the different, you know, cultures in which you're operating. But, um, you know, I mean, that's not necessarily something you can teach people, but I think it's something that you have to be interested in. Um, so, you know, I am quite interested in that sort of thing. <laughs> What's the, uh, because you said your product is more seasonal, what are you working on the rest of the year when it's like winter or maybe when sales aren't as upticked? Is it more giftable products or how are you changing your product so it becomes more no. you know, enticing? Um, so so um, obviously in, the, in Australia, my it's an op opposing season. But right. Australia is a much smaller market, right? So like 
at the moment like it's growing but it's not growing that much and i've been in there since it like when it launched um and i've already had a brand presence in australia i had an australian distributor back in 2011 and so you know i've sort of like there's a definite synergy uh with the com with the country but for people who are kind of wanting to go into massively profitable areas at the moment i wouldn't say australia is one i would focus on like as a priority um but um obviously you know if you if you can and it, it makes financial sense do it you know um but uh, no i mean what i tend to do is uh the the business really kind of like kicks off probably sort of march and then um in the uk kind of tails off around september um in the us it's kind of still busy all the way up to christmas because of one of the other products i have which is more about like sleep and travel um, and then it tends to go quiet sort of January, February a bit. Um, but what I tend to try and do is either sleep. <laughs> I was going to say, or vacation and on the beach with cocktails, right? I go on holiday because it's a good time. I don't really like going on holiday in the summer anyway. I like to go away when it's not sunny. So it's perfect time to go away on holiday. Um, and um, second of all, I um, basically uh, do a lot of planning, strategizing. Um, so, you know, start thinking about, tidying stuff up you know sorting out seo issues doing uh email marketing facebook ads you know all that sort of additional stuff and getting things kind of ramped up and then i mean like even even like doing things like google ads i don't bother doing google ads out of season there's no point so i only advertise on google for like maybe five months a year um but it's making sure that, you know analyzing what we've done you know um and you know looking at what we need to do again what didn't work what did work trying new things um, also, social media, I haven't mentioned that at all, but that is 100%, like 900% critical in building a brand. Um, and um, it's something that I'm, you know, we're, we're really quite, excuse my French, shit hot on. Um, I don't have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers. It's really interesting, like some baby brands, but mine are really engaged and really like, you know, we use our influencers to sell. Um, so I followed I them. I followed Snooshade and I was on it just before we were hopped on. You have more organic content people are sharing of just product photography people are writing messages on there i thought it was super engaging brand like you mentioned i thought it was i was more impressed by how your customers were coming out of like hey we're on the go snooshe logo with your product in there that's that's marketing gold and that's free for you and it's also great because obviously my products are out and about products. So the great thing is, you know, I know once someone gets out there on the road and they're like pushing their pram or whatever, um, you know, then people go, oh, what's that? What's that? Because right. uh, funny enough, I was saying to somebody earlier on today, in fact, I was saying to my SEO guy, I said, you know, if because uh, people are like, oh, my God, everyone's heard of Snooshade. I'm like, no, they haven't. If they had, I would genuinely not be sitting in a garden office in the pouring <laughs> rain with the thunder. I would be in a, on a beach in Barbados drinking cocktails with naked men flying around serving me. OK, <laughs> that is that's literally what i would that's be doing. the dream <laughs> that's the dream okay um but um but no but in, in all seriousness you know of course no, no not everyone in the world's heard of my brand and um you know which is great because it gives me opportunity to grow and and do new things and uh, leads to exciting opportunities so you know i see it as a positive so what what's the next growth area for you what in branding itself what's exciting you right now kara um in well, terms of I'm loving Shopify. So um, we're, I'm, I'm working at the moment. I've got some really great people on board who are helping me with um, basically like jazzing up all my sales copy and all my listings on my website and all my website and all my blog posts and everything else. Because the other thing is also, 
there's no such thing as perfection and you don't need to be perfect, right? So I had my website rebrand. I had the whole business rebranded actually last year um, and it cost me an absolute arm and a leg right in the middle of COVID. Thank you very much. So I had to pay an installments for That's a while. That's time to do I, it. I, well, you know, why not? I started I started the business just after the last recession. So you know what? They do say it's the best time to, to do things. So um, I rebranded and I absolutely love the brand, right? I, I love it. It just, whereas before, I've always sort of, I've always felt a little bit ashamed. It's a bit like having a child who is like wearing really horrible clothes and you take them out and you're kind of like, I love the child, but I'm sorry about how I presented them, yeah, you know? I'm so sorry. Um, Exactly. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, so and now I really feel super, super proud. Um, I actually uh, I paid for the, the the redoing of the whole domain for the dot com, snooshade.com. And I then cloned the three other websites myself. Um, so I'm pretty shit hot now on Shopify. Um, and I love all the apps. I'm an, I mean, I'm a gadget girl, so I love anything like so if you're using Shopify, there's a fantastic app, which is called Go Aff Pro. G-O-A-F-F-P-R-O, -F -F and I run all my affiliate networks off that, which is great. Um, and uh, I mean, I've got loads of plugins, like lots of stuff that, you know, there's a really good one. Instafeed is a really good one. It's free. Uh, GoAff Pro's got a free program, which is more than good enough to use. I'm paying for a paid for it, which is like $15 in the in the UK, but um, I use the free one on all my other, other websites. Um, you know, there's there's lots of stuff you can do, and I'm, I'm sort of moving more towards as well, like, less selling the product and more selling the concepts of it now so like for example like creating landing pages which are more about like explaining to parents why they should be um you know why they should be like protecting their child rather than just like hey here's a product you know it's more but you know it takes time to do these things so you know what i would also say is like you don't have to do everything all the time i'm not I haven't done any email marketing for about the last five years. I haven't done any Facebook ads for about the last five years. I haven't done any, any of this because I've been busy making money on Amazon. So I've, I focused on Amazon, like absolutely, like that was my main objective. Once that started making me enough money that I could pay other people to do things like the PPC and, and do all the other bits and bobs, that should be the objective, which is to then outsource it. And then that frees you up to do the more fun stuff, um, which is what I consider more fun. Yeah, exactly. Not, not everyone considers it fun, but I do. I mean, I was sitting there fighting with a geolocation uh, app on uh, Shopify the other day at three thirty in the morning. That probably was would not be considered fun, but um, you know, I am rather weird. I think you have to be weird to be an entrepreneur, frankly. <laughs> It'd be weird to be in the Amazon and e, e business space. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Hey, quick, quickly, care before I let you go at the top of the hour. I know, like with the, in the UK, there's a lot of different things with Brexit going on, but uh, with, with suppliers specifically. How has that changed to you? Because at Ping Pong, obviously, we we help we want to help people save money when paying suppliers. I'm curious to you when you're working with your manufacturers or suppliers, how has that changed over the past like year? It plus? hasn't. So I'm it not the right person to ask about that because I've always paid in pounds. Uh, so I don't. It doesn't make any difference to me. But um, okay. so so. But what I will say is that the Brexit for most Amazon sellers that where it'll impact is getting products into Europe at the moment. It's an absolute ball ache. Um, so that is the biggest challenge. But in terms of currency, I mean, the, the biggest uh, headache actually is the fact that Amazon just suddenly took a whole load of providers off their list of like, you know, approved payment providers. Um, so, um, you know, so that's that's definitely something that, you know, everyone should be aware of, because I think that deadline's like May the 31st, I think. It's um, pretty soon. 
guys imminent. Yeah. I think it's made. Luckily, ping pong's up. Yeah, we're on there, so we we started. Oh, I know early, you're on so. there. Yeah, you're on there. But I I was using Wise, and they're not. They used to be Transfer Wise, and uh, they just sent mm -hmm. out an email the other day, actually, saying, "Oh, you know, good news." And it was like, "Good news, they've applied to go on the program." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Like, seriously, that's not good news. That's an idiot." <laughs> Yeah, and you have to, yeah, they're they're called participants in it, and you have to fulfill. I'm not sure why it took so long for some of these companies. Like you said, it, it, it's one of those things that I, I know it's a headache for a lot of people, especially if you can't receive funds or send funds through that. But it is something Amazon's taking seriously as a security precaution. So I was curious to hear your yeah. point of view if you've heard anything about that. So very cool. Well, I I know it's top of the hour, and I know it's later. I don't know if the storms passed over there or not, but it's been an absolute lovely here here in the United States, just talking to you today, where can people learn more about either Snooshade or um, yourself if they want to get insights or tips or just ask questions? Uh, so uh, for Snooshade, just Google Snooshade and you'll, it'll come up or it's on Facebook, it's Instagram, it's everywhere. Um, and then me, I've got a website, which is carasea.com. Um, and I have a Facebook page, which is called Make It, Brand It, Sell It. Um, so I'm, to be honest, I'm not doing that much with that at the moment because I was doing some one-to-one, -one, but I don't like doing one-to-one. -one. So um, I'm actually going to probably do some more things that maybe will help more people right? Like, rather than me sit there trying to explain how to do a, fat file, a flat file because that's really not <laughs> my bag. <laughs> exactly. Or you're, you're also on uh, Clubhouse, so make sure you oh, take I am care of Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Well, yes, I am. Below. Yeah, so yeah. You, you're you're Jim every time you're on there. I I'm cracking up in the background. I know you can only hear like certain people, but I'm always laughing. But I'm getting so much information as I'm laughing with you, so it makes it twice as enjoyable. So it's it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. I'm so thankful that you said yes to the show. Uh, now a friend of the show, crossover commerce, Kara Thanks so much, Kara, for hopping on today. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Again, everyone. Thank you for joining in episode 106 of the basics in brand building on Amazon. Kara with Snooshade, absolute amazing to hear her insights, tips and tricks on both Amazon, uh, Shopify. We, we cover the whole gauntlet. So let us know what you think. Put us in the comments section below. And also, if you listen to this later on, on Amazon Music, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you can listen to a podcast, make sure you let us know by rating the episode as well. I'm Ryan Kramer with Cross. I need to remember my own name here. <laughs> but uh, I need to remember uh, who I am. <laughs> exactly. I need a cocktail already. Yeah, it's it's just, it's not noon yet, but we're here on the east it's eastern time. Here. You're fine. <laughs> it's four o'clock where Kara is. She's saying so. Uh, but yeah, I'm Ryan Kramer with Crossover Commerce. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, catch us tomorrow. We're going to be going live again. Uh, we actually have the great. Here's a little, quick little uh, Chelsea Cohen of So Stocked. She's amazing at inventory minded marketing. She's going to be hopping on and uh, kind of give us a little bit of insight. And then also. Later this week, we're going to having Anthony Lee of New Canopy Management. He's recently joined there, but he's Amazon seller. Great in terms of uh, neuromarketing and behavioral economics. Going to be super nerdy about that one on Friday. So make sure you guys tune into that. But again, I'm Ryan Kramer. Now that I got my name right with Crossover Commerce, thanks for tuning in to this episode. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care.